All right, welcome to another Behind the Seams Prospects Corner. Um, we are having Brewers Week this week. Uh, we have two amazing interviews coming up, one with Eric Brown Jr. and another with Cameron Wagner. Uh, but first, uh, for the introduction, I'm joined by David Gasper of Reviewing the Brew and Prospects 1500. Uh, David, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. I'm, I'm doing good. Brewers are uh, in first place, so I can't complain too much. Yeah, you have to love that. As a Royals fan, I would can't remember what it's like to be in first place it's been a while (laughs) oh poor guy yeah yeah it's been a rough and the farm system is just not there it's good times but let's talk about the brewers farm system that's what we're here to do today so uh give us your overall take on where the brewers farm system stands now yeah i think it's a, a pretty strong system i mean you got about five top 100 prospects in there right now it's led by jackson furio uh mm-hmm. arguably the top prospect in all of baseball a uh, whole bunch of guys are just coming up to the big leagues. I mean, we've seen Garrett Mitchell graduate this year. Uh, Joey Weimer graduate, Bryce Terang. Yeah. Uh, we got Sal Freelich that just came up right now. He's the number two guy in the system. And you get so many more guys down there. I mean, yet Jefferson Caro, Jacob Mizorowski has been lighting the minor leagues on fire uh, this year. It, it's a really strong system. There, there's a couple of really good guys at the top. Um, but it's it's getting fairly fairly deep as well in, in terms of talent. So uh, they've got guys all all up and down the system. The international prospects mm-hmm. are starting to to come through into the lower levels of the minors. Uh, so that's been really great to see. And and overall, it's a, a pretty strong, solid system. Yeah, you have to love where the Brewers are at. It always seems like they have a decent farm system. I mean, let's talk about Jacob Mizorowski. That guy came out of the draft, not really with a lot of hype. I know Prospects Live was on him kind of high early on, um, but give us your take on him just because he really broke out, I think, in the Futures game for a lot of people, only because he was put on that stage, but he was dealing right before that. Yeah, Mizorowski has some of the best stuff uh, in, in the minor leagues, arguably the best stuff. Uh, I remember when the Brewers drafted him in the second round last year. I mean, he he was kind of a rising guy. Uh, He was considered one of the steals of the draft, uh, getting him in the second round. They went way over slot uh, to get him, uh, to keep him from going to LSU, I believe it was. And for Mizorowski, his stuff is is just insane. He's six foot seven, and he's like 190 pounds dripping wet, but he chucks 100 miles an hour. He's he's got like a he's got a very long stride. He's got great extension. And he's six foot seven. So, you know, great extension on that frame. Yeah. That ball's insane. coming on you quick, just in general. But then the fact that he's also throwing it 100 miles an hour, it's looking like 104, 105 uh, to the hitter uh, with just some wipeout breaking stuff. So, you know, Mizorowski, I mean, he's moved fairly quickly. I mean, yeah. he dominated low A. The Brewers quickly moved him up to high A. And now he's already up in double A. Uh, yeah. he, he's already made it up to there. So, the Brewers are being aggressive with him. I thought just with the rawness of, of his stuff and the fact that he was so young, I figured it might take a while to to move him up and, and get him going. But the Brewers are being pretty aggressive with him. Uh, he is looking fantastic at, at every step along the way. And he could arguably be in the Brewers' bullpen maybe later this year if the Brewers really wanted to be that aggressive. Because he's got the stuff right now that could play in the bullpen they still eye him as a starter long term but if they want to get him up quickly and just get their best arms into the bullpen for a playoff push Mizrowski could could make it all the way up yeah that was the one question i was going to ask do you think he actually makes it into the bullpen this year i like but i think what you said if the brewers are in a playoff push i mean why not and you think you can get a solid arm there um yeah. 
just kind of building off that, do you think Mizorowski has the opportunity to stick as a starter? I know there's some command issues there just because the stuff is just incredible. Um, but what do you think about his opportunity to be a starter full-time? Yeah, I, I think he's definitely got, got the ability to. It's going to take a little bit longer developments uh, in order for, for the Brewers to get him there. Uh, so that's where I'm kind of curious what why they're pushing him so quickly. Uh, but the Brewers have done this before with with previous pitching prospects. They have developed them as starters and then brought them up to the big leagues in the bullpen. Corbin Burns did this. Brandon Woodruff did this. Freddie Peralta did this. Uh, Aaron Ashby. All all their like stud starters coming up yeah. through. Aaron Ashby even. It, you don't really have to consider him a stud, but still, like all their starters have come up and they have started them in the bullpen to to really kind of get their feet wet feet wet at the big league level. And so I could very much see that being the case with Mizrowski uh, again, just bring him, bring him up initially as a member of the bullpen, but, you know, continue to stretch him out as a starter and develop him as a starter long-term. Yeah. I think I, I kind of like that approach too. Cause I think about all how the Royals rushed every single starting pitcher that they had to get him in the rotation, mostly mm-hmm. because they had a lack of options in the rotation. And so mm-hmm. those guys got aggressively pushed mm-hmm. and a lot of them are kind of really struggling to, to kind of stick at the big league level. So Brewers approach seems to be a good one where they're really giving those guys an opportunity to see what they got. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Brewers have been excellent with the, with the pitching development these last couple of years, yeah. um, how, how they brought these guys up through the system. They know what they're doing uh, with developing these guys. So I, I'm excited to see what Ms. Rowski, uh can do once he finally gets up to Milwaukee. Yeah. One other guy I want to touch on before we kind of, give your thoughts on the draft um, and some of maybe under right under the radar prospects in the system. But Eric, the guy we interviewed this week, Eric Brown jr. Um, got off to a slow start, then got really hot. And then unfortunately is injured now. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be out for most of the year, but um, what are your thoughts on Eric Brown jr. And what he can bring to the system? Yeah. I mean, he's, well, the first thing that, that stands out when I look at his stats is his speed. I mean, the, the yeah. stolen base numbers that, that he's been able to get, uh, I think it's just been incredible. He's been able to hit the ball well when he's been healthy. Uh, so that's really, uh, uh, really good to see. And just being able to, to get on base and then utilize that speed, uh, I think is, is, is very, very important, especially for him being able to stick up the middle uh, as a shortstop and just uh, providing enough offense to, to be an everyday guy uh, at that position. And, and so far it's looking like he certainly can. Yeah. Uh, especially, uh, you know, utilizing that speed uh, and just that, that on-base ability. That's what the Brewers uh, drafted him for, and that's what he's uh, shown so far uh, in his minor league career. Yeah, and one thing I noticed, too, in some video that I've seen of him, he seems to be like a guy that has a really good personality, too. Like, people would just gravitate towards him. And so if you have a uh, top-notch locker room guy on, as well as a guy who can kind of stick at shortstop in the future, it just seems perfect for the Brewers. Um so now kind of diving into the 2023 MLB draft, what is your take on the Brewers? They shocked me a little bit with the Brock Wilkin pick in the first round, but then they really impressed, I think, after that. You could see why they took Brock in that first pick just because of the picks they made after that. Um, but go ahead and yeah, kind of break down the draft and what are some of your thoughts are there. Yeah, the draft was was something that was completely different than they've done in, in years past. I mean, typically they've been – uh, up the middle, safer, high floor mm-hmm. type of type of selections, and uh, they didn't really do that this year. They they went with corner guys. You know, Brock Wilkin, a third baseman, power bat. Uh, you know, typically it's been hit over power. 
Uh, but they, they get the best power of the draft and Wilkin and, you know, they save a whole bunch of money doing it. So they, they essentially traded down about six spots. Yeah. Uh, I saw baseball America did their you know first round by, by signing bonuses and Brock Wilkin at the 24th highest bonus. So they essentially traded down six spots in order to be able to, to get their later uh, picks to, to get Eric Patanti to get Cooper Pratt, sign those guys to, to above slot bonuses. Uh, but uh, Wilkin, I mean, he gives them the corner infield prospect they've been desperately mm-hmm. needing uh, for the past really decade or more uh, in their system. They haven't had it. It's been a revolving door at the big league level because they haven't focused on it at the draft. Uh, but Wilkin is someone who can move quickly. He can hit 40 bombs a year in, in Miller Park uh, or American Family Field, however you want to call it. Uh, but he can hit 40 bombs a year there and mm-hmm. just be – exactly what you need from a, a third base, your prototypical corner power bat. Yeah, the batted ball, that, that is insane. I got to see him in the NCAA Regional in Maryland when he was uh, with Wake Forest made it there. And, I mean, the ball off of his bat is so loud. There's some yeah. hit tool issues there. It looks like he improved some of that this year. Um, defensively, a little rough at third base, but he can. he's got a cannon. Like He's got an absolute mm-hmm. rocket of an arm at third. So there's an opportunity that if he needs to um, – if he improves a little bit defensively, gets a little bit more lateral, finds a way to like get a little bit more athletic and charging the ball coming in, like he could stick at third base. Yeah, and that's certainly going to be key for the Brewers because – Defense has really been the name of their game yeah. uh, these past uh, couple of years. So uh, if he can stick there defensively at third and play a really solid defensive third base uh, combined with the bat that he brings, uh, that's that's going to be a really huge player in the in the middle of the lineup for the Brewers who are, who are needing it uh, long term and, and being able to to get that in a guy with, with uh, Wilkin. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's it's just incredible to kind of see the Brewers take a different route. I love the picks that you mentioned, Pratt and Batoni. I think those are going to be some uh, really high upside guys that they can bank on. Um, but kind of moving into some under-the-radar prospects, who are two guys you're looking at, maybe one on the pitching side, one on the hitting side, that maybe not enough people are talking about? Yeah, I think, um, well, I mean, what we saw uh, here on the day of the, the signing deadline uh, the Brewers got a whole bunch of their day three picks. Bishop Letson in, in the 11th round is mm-hmm. is one that that I'm really high on. Six foot four, 170 pounds, tripping wide. Reminds me uh, reminds me of me when I was in high school. I was skinny as as all get out, except he's got a 94 mile an hour fastball, <laughs> and mine was 74. So uh, that's why he got that's why he got drafted, and and I'm not. Uh, but yeah, he's got really great projectable stuff, uh, great spin rates, great pitch metrics, all the things the Brewers are very good at developing. So I'm really excited to see him, uh, in the Brewers system. And, uh, that's someone that's, that I think is really going to stand out as, as time goes on. Um, and then, you know, in terms of underrated, they didn't get that many position players. So it's hard to, <laughs> hard to go underrated in that group, but you're Mike looking at Bogan, arms. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike Bobby in the second round is one that I think gets, gets overlooked quite a bit because everyone's looking at Wilkin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just his contact ability uh, that, that we've seen. I mean, he had 400. Yes, it was Nebraska Omaha. It was the Summit League. Uh, but, you know, he had 400. He struck out only nine times all year. He's just a contact bat. Uh, there, there should be some power to come in there. there there's not a ton presently. Uh, he's not really trying to hit homers, but 
Uh, he's someone who just, I mean, with, with his pure contact ability, uh, that's someone that you can install into a lineup each and every single yeah. day. If he continues to, to hit like he has. Yeah, I think that's uh, both is an interesting one to me. I don't know if he got overlooked because it was most likely probably because at a smaller school. Um, he wasn't mm-hmm. at the actual Nebraska where he had like Max Anderson and Bryce Matthews getting taken out of there. But yeah, um, well, the Brewers also went smaller school a couple years ago with uh, Tyler Black out of Wright mm-hmm. State. Yeah, uh, and Tyler Black has turned into a pretty good player. You know, he had the same kind of profile, just a, a third baseman with great contact skills, not a whole ton of power. And, you know, look what he's been doing in in double A this year. His stats are insane. Yeah, it's nuts. It's just fun to watch those smaller school guys get picked up and then actually find some success because, I mean, a lot of times everybody thinks you have to go to the SEC, the ACC to get drafted and have a career. But these guys are, you can play anywhere. You find yourself Mm -hmm. an opportunity and you never know what might happen. Uh, Dave, well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us, talk about a little bit about the Brewers farm system. Um, but before we turn it over to the interview with Eric Brown Jr., where can people find you on social media and all your work that you're doing? Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at dgasper24. Um, and then all my stuff's at, at reviewingthebrew.com uh, and, and at reviewingthebrew on Twitter. Uh, do a lot of, got a lot of fun stuff going on uh, over there. And, uh, it's really just kind of been been a lot of fun covering that site and just covering the Brewers and, and they're a really fun team this year with a with a really great farm system and a, a pretty bright future. Yeah. Well, everybody, make sure to check out Dave's work. If you're a Brewers fan or if you're not a Brewers fan and just want to learn more about the farm system and the Brewers in general, he does incredible work. Um, but without further ado, we're going to turn it over to that interview with Eric Brown Jr. All righty, welcome to another Behind the Seams Prospects Corner with Just Baseball Media. As always, I'm Jared Perkins, and we have another incredible guest here today, Eric Brown Jr., a shortstop with the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, taking in the first round of the 2022 MLB Draft. Uh, Eric, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, man. How are you? Good, good. Uh, really excited to have you on. Um, I think your journey is incredible. It's going to be an awesome one for the listeners to kind of learn about. You went from uh, going into your senior year of high school having no offers to all of a sudden becoming a 2022 first-round draft pick. Um, so just for the viewers who don't know you, tell, um, tell them a little bit about your journey through baseball, but uh, kind of some about who you are off the field as well. Uh, I mean, first off, uh, you know, my journey has been kind of uh, crazy. I mean, it, I mean, it, like you said, like three, four years ago, I was kind of like hoping to go to college base, go play some college baseball. And so, I mean, just to be where I am now, it's just, I mean, it's, it has to be from God. That's, that's where I kind of center my whole life around. And I mean, my family and we kind of grew up in the church and we grew up just understanding that and trusting that God's timing is perfect and that whatever doors are going to open for you, they're going to open and God's going to close the doors that aren't meant for you. And so, I mean, that's kind of been a testament to my whole, I guess, journey in baseball uh, from always being the smallest kid. My dad used to always tell me, Hey, you're the kid in the shadows. Cause I mean, you're not really seen yet, but you keep working and you're going to be seen. And then, and I, I mean, it, it, it's really paid off just putting in the time and the effort. I mean, I remember when I was, I guess in seventh grade, eighth grade, my dad said, all right, we got to start and was more like sixth grade. My dad said, all right, we got to start kind of working to walk onto a high school campus and start. And so that was kind of my goal from when I was a sixth grader. And then seventh grade, eighth grade came around and we're like, all right, we got that. Now let's work on walking onto a division one campus and starting. 
but I mean, it was always kind of tough just because like my freshman year, I believe I was five, three, <laughs> like 145 pounds soaking wet. And so like, it was, it was definitely a lot harder and the grind was a lot harder just because I was always the smallest kid. And, uh, I mean, off the field, I like to kind of like just fish hunt, kind of just relax the mind. Cause I mean, baseball is a very mentally, mentally taxing sport, but like, I like to just spend time with my family, uh, spend time with my girlfriend, my dogs, actually, my girlfriend and my dog are actually here right now. So getting to spend time with them is, is always a blessing. Yeah, but, I love that. I like the one thing that you really touched on in your journey that I think a lot of times when we interview players, they have their lost identity kind of lost in the sport. But it sounds like you have things like your faith, you have your family, you have your girlfriend, you have your dogs, you have all these activities that you do outside of baseball that probably help keep you grounded, right? And so you're not kind of always diving into your bad performances or your good performances and kind of living day by day based off of those. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, honestly, I didn't really learn that. I mean, like, I always kind of had them growing up, and I, they've always been there for me. Like, my family, my girlfriend, my dog. I mean, we recently just got my dog. But uh, they've always kind of been there for me. But I, I realized kind of the importance of all of that. And I don't know, like, this may be bad to say. I found bad or whatever. But th- I realized the importance of, like, family and all of that as soon as I kind of it – was, it was mainly, like, my last year in, at Coastal. And it was kind of tough. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that is a squeaky toy. But, I got a dog uh, that does the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was kind of my last year. I mean, going into like my draft year, there was a lot of like pressure and it was, it was really kind of self-imposed pressure. But like having those family members around me and just them always being there, my mom, my dad, my girlfriend, they were just always there to pick me up even when I had a bad game. And so like it's really easy to get lost in this game. It's really easy to just yeah. get like soaked into it and say, all right, this is, this is who I am. But then having that good like family around you to remind you that this isn't just who you are. It's, it's really helpful. Yeah. I think like when you touch on the importance of family too, um, we've interviewed Tyson Ross at one point and he talked about how, um, he just felt like everybody around him that wasn't like close family or close friends, they, they were so invested in who he was as a baseball player rather than right. who he was as a person. So the fact that you have that family around you who are really able to kind of give you that positive reinforcement that you need outside of baseball and like will always be there for you no matter what. I think that's huge and key. It is. It is because, I mean, I guess this, like they say, it's, the game is what, 70% of failure. If you're, yeah. if you're a hall of famer, if you're a hall of famer, it's 70% of failure. And so it's like, what is going to be that positive in your day-to-day life when you know, like statistics proven that when you go to the field, you're going to fail more times than you succeed. Yeah. 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 I love that. And the other thing I wanted to touch on kind of weaving into the next question here, um, you've kind of been known for having like a fun, easygoing attitude on the field, like being that guy in the clubhouse that kind of people can relate to. What helps you kind of keep it loose in the clubhouse? I know you've touched on a lot of the things that you love to do outside of the game, which I'm sure help with that. But um, what's kind of really molded your attitude that you bring to the field every day? Um, I mean, understanding that uh, you are like, I kind of found this quote a couple months back, and it's you are who you think of yourself. And so if you think positive about yourself, if you think nothing but good things about yourself, that's what you're going to put out. And you also reap what you sow. And so if you constantly are putting and putting good information, and uh, I recently read it in this book that I'm reading. It's, it's called The Power to Change. And I forgot who the author is, but you reap what you sow and you are what you think of yourself. And 
if you if you're constantly just putting positive thoughts or having positive reinforcements on yourself you're going to be able to have that and and give that out to as many people as you want just because you're constantly putting in putting that positive like vibe into yourself yeah i have to imagine too like if you're constantly having like the fear of failure and having negative thoughts all the time too you're gonna put the put those out to the people who are around you that you love the most even though if you might not be intentionally trying to do that exactly exactly yeah uh kind of going into the next question what's been the biggest adjustment for you coming out of college and making that transition to pro ball um probably the day-to-day grind uh the the quote uh, i mean the quote that i've been telling my dad my dad and i always say it is and you have to live it out it's called it's one day at a time and as as small as it may seem of just saying one day at a time it's it's actually making that because like this game is tough and if you're over there stressing about the next game or if you're over there stressing about oh, I went over for this day i have to get certain now it's like each day has its own battles and you face each day with with a head on mindset if you're you're attacking that day then it's really hard to fail because you're so focused on just accomplishing what you want to set that day and if you it's so it's the quote is one day at a time and, and just live by that yeah and i love uh, yeah i was going to say that that's awesome because it's focusing where your feet are right exactly exactly yeah. it it keeps me from just kind of beat myself up every single day yeah uh, it kind of reminds me when we interviewed Samad Taylor he talked about how um he really focuses on like not each day you're going to go three for three, right? You're not going to go four mm-hmm. for four. Um, but he's like finding ways to win each day. Um, he goes, I could go over for four, but if I had a, like a strong line out or I drove someone in with a sack fly, things like that, there's always, and he's like, if I don't do it at the plate, there's a chance to maybe I can win in, on the field too with my defensive work. So exactly. there's always different ways that you can kind of come up on top. Exactly. And it's like, uh, always say you're not losing, you're learning. If you, if you lose, if you, I guess, quote unquote, lose, take a step back and learn from it. And, and therefore it's a win. Yeah. So I, as you made that transition to to pro ball, kind of what's been the, have you had any cool minor league stories? I know the minor leagues are a grind already and I you've had a short period of time, but are there any stories uh, that kind of really stick out to you? Um, stories. Uh, not really. I mean, we just, <laughs> I mean, it's kind of the same thing every single yeah. day. I mean, the, the guys in the clubhouse, we, uh, clubhouse stories oh gosh <laughs> i mean we have some uh, crazy clubhouse stories but i don't know if it's good enough to share on here but um i mean my day-to-day life is pretty much the same i i usually just wake up uh we have to be at the field around like 1 30 and so it's like everything gets pretty repetitive i kind of get in a routine so like stories out of the like that are crazy stories i don't know if i have any of those <laughs> <laughs> yeah no worries yeah. So kind of the, the other kind of questions I asked too, as we wrap up into the last few here, um, what are some of the, the aspects you're most looking forward to improving on, not just on, on the field, but off the field as you kind of go into your first year of professional baseball? Oh, I mean, there's, there's been so much that I've learned just from, I mean, we just finished up the first half recently. Uh, I think this past Thursday, finished up the first half and, I mean, I've already learned so much about what I want to attack going into the offseason. I want to be more explosive. I want to be, I want to be more quick twitch. I want to, I want to, well, essentially just be faster, more powerful. Yeah. And it's and so there's going to be kind of certain ways that I attack that. I mean, just being in this aspect and just seeing the 
other players around me, you see what they do well. And I'm like, okay, that's helping them. And I know that would help me. And so like, just kind of like writing a mental note every single day of like, Oh, this is what I need to work on this off season, or this is what I need to make sure I like focus on or hone in on this off season. So, I mean, I, I'm taking bits and pieces throughout the entire season of like what I need to work on physically. Uh, but I mean, my game wise, I definitely want to be like more, more of a consistent power hitter, drive the ball in the gaps more. Uh, I mean, this year it's been a little bit different for me. Usually I hit a lot more doubles, a lot, like a couple more home runs, but this year it's been more of a drive the ball, get on base. And I'm still second, still third. <laughs> I've been using my speed more than I normally would, but, um, I mean, it's definitely hitting, but off the field, I kind of want to just continue to, I guess, work on my faith with Christ. That's, that's rule number one. I just feel like there's three pillars to life being mentally, physically, and spiritually balanced and spiritually being number one. And then, I mean, if I'm, if I have my spiritual set, then everything else is going to fall into place. Yeah. I love that. You talk about those kind of three pillars that you have. The one I want to try to dive into a little bit too, that you mentioned was mental. Um, I used to work for an organization called major league university that really focused on mindset and mental performance for players. Um, so what would you say that you've done to kind of train your mind, not to help you, to help you on the field, but also to help you off the field? Uh, I mean, really taking a lot of like, I guess, time to kind of assess what's actually going on. And like, one of another quote that I've been kind of going off is perspective versus reality. And like what our, what our mind perceives may not be like what, what actually is going on. And so being able to take a step back and actually like see what's going on in your, in your situation and not just letting your emotions dictate your next decision. And that's been kind of a really big step for me. Um, a lot of people would say I'm an emotional baseball player. Like I, I show a lot of emotion on the field and a lot of like, Lately, it's been more of let's take a step back, let's assess the situation, and now let's make our our next decision, our our next move, and so just kind of like separating that perception versus what's like the reality of the situation has really helped me mentally. Yeah, I love that. I think the perspective piece is huge because if you're going in with a perspective like, oh, I suck, I'm not good enough, those kind of things, you can quickly shift your perspective into a positive mindset and kind of help you kind of push forward. Exactly, like. Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, you are kind of who you think you are. Mm-hmm. You are you what you think of yourself. And if you think if you think negative of yourself, you're going to give out negative results. Yeah, I love that. Um, so kind of going into the last couple of questions here, um, one that I always ask people just as a fun one. Uh, so now that you're in Wisconsin, um, what's been the go to? Have you found a go to food place yet? Culver's, 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 Culver's. <laughs> Culver's. <laughs> that is my place. I mean, they have this. Uh, they have the concrete mixer so i get this i don't i don't do this every time but majority of wins i go and get me a, con- a concrete mixer a little ice cream and then they have this other thing called the cooler and it's like basically like a little icy slushy type <laughs> deal and i'm telling you it's the best thing i've ever had i was gonna ask <laughs> what the go-to order was but sounds like it's the 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 sweet treats at least that and then uh if i'm feeling a little bit hungry i get the butter burger so, okay. Yeah, I've had that yeah. before because I uh, grew up in Arizona and they had just put a Culver's um, yeah. in Surprise. And uh, I the burgers are pretty good. They are really good. They are really good. It kind of reminds me of like back home, like a little water burger type, mm, type action. Yeah. yeah. Love that. But, 
Um, so kind of diving into the last question, this is one we ask every player, um, because when we started the podcast, we want it to be an opportunity for fans to really get a peek behind who the, the human beings are behind the players. Um, but we also kind of wanted to be an opportunity for future players to kind of come to the podcast, learn something from guys who are already gone through some of the things that they might be going through. So if you had one piece of advice for uh, any future guys who might be on the same journey as you are, whether they were in high school, don't have any offers going to college, want to play college baseball, um, always kind of getting overlooked based on their size, those kind of things. Uh, what would that one piece of advice be? My one piece of advice is one, don't stop working. And then two, mm -hmm. do the things that most people don't want to do. A lot of people, uh, I, I mean, a lot of people will say, oh, that guy is eyewash or that guy is doing all this extra work. What is he doing? Like, he's going hard when nobody else is going hard. Like, hey, chill out. No, I, I truly do believe that if you continue just to go hard every single time, every single rep, that there is going to be some fruit for your hard work, you know. And so be that player that always goes extra mile. Do the things that nobody else wants to do. Do the things that people kind of call eyewash. And I think that's going to separate you. Yeah, I think that's an incredible way to end on. Um, Eric, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. Uh, we'll be watching your your season this year and uh, your career as it kind of unfolds. Um, and so, yeah, just keep uh, keep in touch and wishing you nothing but the best. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thank you.